Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. not going to get a uh, very thankful sermon from me this morning. You got that last week from Rex, and I appreciate that he preached that because I don't have to preach that. So, uh, Bernie, if you'll pull up Jeremiah 1.5, that is for the title of my sermon. Uh, the title of my sermon is called In the Thicket. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5, 12.5. 12.5 is what it is. Not 1.5, that's my verse, so I'll be preaching on Jeremiah 12.5, it says... If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? If you will stretch your hands this way, we're going to pray and uh, get ready for the word this morning, Lord. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've given us. And thank you for this word that you've provided for us, Lord. We're just so thankful for that. We're so thankful for everybody in this church and all that they do, Lord. Uh, just as the holidays are coming on, we're reminded of what you do for us, of how you sent your son to die for us, Lord. We praise you for that. We honor you, Lord. Just be with me this morning and be with everybody as they uh, get a little taste of your word, Lord. Jesus, I pray. Amen. In the thicket. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, all right, as we begin, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, if everybody will close your eyes, I'm going to give you a little image in your head so that way you can. Uh, that way you can kind of picture what I'm, I'm talking about this morning. All right, so if you close your eyes, I want you to think about being in the woods. You're walking through the woods in Alabama, and I want you to think about mosquitoes biting your ankles. You've got, they're rolling up your socks just to bite your ankles. You're slapping at them the best you can. You look around, and there's nowhere to go. There's no trails. There's just briars in front of you. There's kudzu. There's just a thicket. You turn around, and the same is behind you. You don't know how you got there, and there's no opening as far as you can see. Um, you can open your eyes now. And that's kind of an intro to an Alabama horror movie, if you think about it. Just had Cousin Bob with his chainsaw running around, and that's, that's what you get. But that's, that's a lot of what our woods are in Alabama. It's just a thicket. Uh, a thicket is something you see quite regularly here, especially if you're just driving down the roads in Alabama summer. Our woods are so thick and so dense that if they haven't been burned recently or uh, if it ain't wintertime, that they're grown up, you can't even see them. Um, and I know in my experiences when I go hunting or whatever it is, I've gotten into some pretty sticky situation just by walking through the woods. You know, I'll come out of the woods and for some reason, Jason knows what I'm talking about, you get them green things that stick to you and then they multiply in the dryer. If you don't pull them off, the little uh, salt dryers or whatever it is, they stick to your clothes and you um, can't get them off of them. Or if you're like John and David, we went golfing a couple of weeks ago, you'll get them on you too if you're looking at the woods for your ball. Um, not me, not me. Uh, but I think that's many of us today. We're all, I think, at some point in our lives, whether it be today, whether it be yesterday, whether it be last week, are in a thicket. Trapped with nowhere to go and mosquitoes giving, giving you malaria. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a man who lived his whole life going through a thicket, going through a journey, going through hard times and talking to a bunch of people who didn't really want to listen. We're going to talk about Jeremiah. He wasn't called the weeping prophet for nothing. Um, he was uh, called to be a prophet at age 20 to 25, scholars say. And Jeremiah is one of my most favorite people in the Bible. Yeah. Um, he is called to call people out. So 
Brother Keith told me this morning I need to bring hellfire and brimstone, so that's what I got for you. I got, I got Jeremiah, who, who told a lot of that. So. Um, but he was called to tell people out, to tell people what they were doing wrong. Uh, Jeremiah 6.27 says, that I was reading this in just my study time before I actually got my word. I have made thee a trier and a fortress among my people, that thou mayest know and try their ways. In my Bible it says, uh, I have made you a tester of metals. Uh, Jeremiah was called to test people. He was called to see what their real heart was, to see who they were, and to call people out for what they were. Um, that, you know, there were people who weren't pure silver, as my Bible called it. And that's who he was. So in these verses, we're going to talk about Jeremiah in the thicket. We're going to talk about all of us in the thicket. And we're going to talk about people who aren't even uh, connected to church or aren't even really in church who are in the thicket. Uh, so keep that image in your head. Feel free to slap your ankles every once in a while like a mosquito's bite. Whatever you got to do just to feel like you're in the thing. All right, we'll start uh, Jeremiah 12. 1. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? My Bible's a little bit different than this one. Right? It's ESD. Um, but I, I want to talk about the first part of the verse. It says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. How many of you know that God is good even when we are? Even when we come to Him, whether we're whining or whether we're, uh, you know, posting something on Facebook we shouldn't or, you know, whether we're doing whatever we want to do on Sundays instead of coming to church, God is still good. God is still God. Um, and I know a lot of people, I, I, it makes me think of the, the presidential election. I know a lot of people are worried about that. And, um, you know, we don't really have to worry about that because we know God is still in control. We know when Pharaoh was king, we know when Hitler was dictator, God was still in control. It doesn't matter who is our leader of our world, our God is the most high king. Uh, and even though we might not agree with everything that these leaders do, we might not agree with all they are, you know, we still, uh, they're still going to have their time and we still got to honor our God while it's happening. That doesn't mean we have to do what they say all the time whenever they're going against our Bible. But if it's not against what we believe, we kind of need to take into account that. God didn't stop being God or stop being good when Pharaoh was king. And he won't be stopped being good if Biden becomes president. And he was still good when Trump was president. Just because people had their will done doesn't mean God doesn't have an ultimate goal in mind. I've seen many posts on Facebook, many people talking about it, trying to comfort themselves of the the times to come. I've seen many scriptures twisted to fit a narrative. I've seen many uh, just people just try to compare it to whatever they can. But ultimately, I like to remind you that we don't know God's plan. I like to remind you that, you know, we can read the Bible and we know what's going to happen in the end, but we don't know God's plan. I want to uh, remind you that the disciples, whenever Jesus was going to the cross, they didn't want him to go to the cross. They didn't know that it had to be done. They just knew what their earthly minds saw. They, they, they could only see what their eyes would show them. And in today's time, you know, we can only see what our earthly eyes see. We don't see what his heavenly eyes see. And we know that, you know, he can turn bad bad situations into beautiful outcomes. And that should encourage all of us. You know, that should give you hope no matter who you are. That should make you feel hopeful because you don't know, you know, it don't matter who's in the White House, he is still on the throne. And he is so good. Uh, and I know we've said it a lot lately, but honestly, we have to start living like this is the end times. We have to start living like tomorrow might not come or tomorrow he might go. We can't keep flirting with hell because it's only a second away. And you never know when that second will come for any of us. Um, 
I can name people after people in my life and who I've been friends with or who have been church who have gotten so caught up with their lives, so caught up with what they wanted to do that they stopped living for who gave them who gave them their life in the first place. Now is not the time to forget the goodness of our God, like you sang this morning. Uh, now is not the time where we see where we are. Now is the time to see where we are. We're in the middle of the thicket, and we must look to God for a way out. Uh, the second part of the verse says, uh, Yet I will plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? When I read that, I, I thought to myself, you know, that is something we've all asked. All at, at some point in our life, we wonder, you know, why do evil people or why do bad people thrive? Why do evil people prosper? Why do they get their way? We might even ask God that, and I know I have in my life. And it usually comes when we're not doing good. You know, it usually comes when we're in the thicket or when we're not doing so hot. You know, when our, we lost our job or our kids are sick, that's usually when it comes and we say, you know, why are they doing so well and we're not? Uh, I remember there was a time in my own life when I questioned the very same thing. I remember when I was in middle school, I was, I guess, 12 to 15, somewhere in that range. And, uh, you know, I, I, all my friends, you know, they had girlfriends, they had everything they wanted, they had all these cool things. At first, I didn't like girls. You know, they got cookies, it is what it is. <laughs> then I noticed that some of my friends had it, and, you know, envy started getting my heart. I wanted what they had. And that's something that can creep up in your heart and take root. Especially in a thicket. When you're walking through a thicket, things can stick to you. The first thing that'll stick to you is envy. And that's something that can go with you to a die. That's something you cannot even realize you're doing if you're not sticking your nose in the Bible. You're not reading God's word and realizing that, you know, that's not good for you. That is a sin. And I don't think about it. I don't know about you, but I don't think about it when I tell God my sins. Whenever I ask him forgiveness and I'm looking for his grace and you know, I don't think about the envy. I don't think about the times where I say, oh, it's a nice work car. You know, oh, John's got a nice new truck. You know, I wish I had that. I don't, I don't confess that because I don't realize it. Um, but in the end, when we go to heaven's gate, nobody wants to drag themselves out of the thicket with stuff stuck to them. Nobody wants to get to heaven with envy covered all over them. And it happens without us even knowing. It's something your mind can just do. It's a spiritual warfare fight. Uh, it gets inside of you, and the only way to get it out is to put your nose in this book and just start to pray and start to worship God. Uh, kind of like Rick's preached about last week. Uh, the only way to get rid of it is to be thankful for what you have and not be worried about what anybody else has. Uh, back in the story, I, you know, I wanted a girlfriend um, really more than anything. I told my wife I'd say this. I wanted to be appreciated. Video, something like that. But anyways, I wanted to be appreciated. Uh, but that's a different sermon for another day. Um, and I remember I would hang out with anybody I could, any people that had girls in a friends group. You know, I, I knew what I had to do to try to talk to anybody I could. Um, I tried to make something happen. And uh, I would show them the most appreciation. And, you know, if you, if you haven't figured that out yet with your spouse, what they give you is what they really want in turn. You know, I, I wanted appreciation, so that's what I gave the most of. I tried so hard to appreciate people because I wanted it back for myself. Uh, and you know, like most of us, I would get my get my little corner. You know, I'd get down and I'd be like, you know, I'm just going to be a loser for the rest of my life. That's just going to be who I am. And I started to label myself that. And uh, little did I know, I was asking for something that God wasn't ready to give me. Yet. I was asking for something from God that He had the perfect answer to, and it just wasn't time for me to have my answer to my prayers. But that wasn't good enough for me. Uh, it wasn't the time, so I started to say, you know, maybe it's me. You know, God wants good things for us. 
You know, God wanted good things for people in the Bible. I know He wants good things for me, so why can't I have what I want? You know, and so I started to turn it on myself. I started to, you know, hate who I was because I thought, you know, God is who He is, so He's going to give me what I want. And it's not, it doesn't work like that. In reality, the things that weren't good for me that God was trying to prevent so that when I got the one He had for me, I wouldn't be as messed up. I see a lot of us at this point, uh, a lot of Christians at this point, we try to force things. You know, we try to make things happen. Uh, I think, you know, just in, in America today, that's a big problem because we, we see that God's not giving it to us, so we try to make it happen ourselves. We try to put people in our lives ourselves who are not who we're supposed to have for us, but they make us feel good. You know, they make us, they make us feel appreciated or they, they make us feel loved. So we put them in our life and, and it ended up failing. And then we ask God, why did you put us through the sadness? And it's because we force something that wasn't supposed to happen. The second thing that can stick to you, uh, the second part of this verse, is depression or anxiety. I read this verse over and over again, and I kept seeing that word. Uh, in, in my verse, it says, thrive. Why do the wicked thrive? And I kept thinking that. You know, I can only see Jeremiah. I can see him in his place. His will to move, you know, just started to, started to diminish. His will to do anything, just starting to, to, to regress. And I saw myself. I saw myself in the thicket with envy. And depression stuck to me. I wasn't prospering. I definitely wasn't thriving. I was losing. I wasn't winning. And that's what happens when you're walking through the thicket. Uh, if you're not careful, the thicket will start to overtake you. The vines will start to wrap over you. You know, you get caught up in so many vines, you don't know where to go, and you're just hung up and you can't move, uh, and you don't know a way out. There's many of our church people who are trapped in their thoughts and their suffering of, you know, why is COVID affecting this family and not, or affecting my family and not? Or Christians who are uh, scared of COVID and don't want to leave their homes, so they slowly disconnect themselves and start to get into a, a thicket all by themselves, wrapped up in vines, holding them from moving. Stuck in the same routine with no one to help them, and not because they were left there, but because they separated themselves. I can think of several people, uh, even in our own church, who have separated themselves from the path we were all walking on Entrapped in the Alabama thicket with mosquitoes tearing them up, with envy in their mind and depression in their heart, just like I was. We've all been there at one point. We've all been there suffering and, and, and just caught up in our own self, uh, self, I guess, depression. When we were wandering too far from the pack, and now we need help getting out of the trap we are stuck in, and feels like we can't get out. All we need is, is someone to reach out, someone to encourage us, someone to remind us that you know we're not alone, that we're there with them. And that's what we have to do for even members of our own church that have found themselves entrapped in a thicket. We've got to reach out to them. You know, it's so big to reach out and tell them we love them, tell them we you know wish we'd see them back in church, or tell them we're still praying for them and that we still care for them. Uh, verse two it says, "You plant them and they take root; they grow and produce fruit. You are near their mouth and far from their heart." Uh, the second verse is the perfect example of the people we just talked about uh, who on the outside don't appear to look like they're in the thicket, but on the inside, their hearts are trapped in it. It says you plant them and they take root. The people that Jeremiah are talking about um, are in the, in the city of Canaan. They're in the town of Canaan. And if anybody knows about the place of Canaan, it was the promised land. You know, it's the perfect place to grow. It's the perfect place to have families. It's the perfect place to do whatever you want to do. Um, and that's what these people were doing. They were producing fruit. They were just producing fruit that wasn't good for their souls. They were producing fruit that that's what they wanted. You know, their lives. They were growing their families. They were getting rich. You know, they were doing what they had to do, but they weren't doing for the Lord. Uh, look at your neighbor this morning and say, "It's a different fruit. 
It's not the same. I'm sure many of you walking through the Alabama woods, you'll see berries like me, and if they don't look familiar, if they don't look like you can eat them, they're obviously poisonous. No, obviously killing. That's what my first thought is. You know, I shouldn't even eat it. It's gonna kill me. I remember one time I was working and I, I got these red berries all over my hand. I had a cut, and uh, my coworker said, "Oh, you gonna die now? You got the uh, poisonous berries in there." And it turned out it wasn't nothing, but he, he was just trying to get into my hand. That was my thought. But, you know, you've seen that different fruit. You see, these people were producing fruit, but they weren't producing fruit for the Lord. Uh, they were gaining riches, enlarging their family, and doing the desires of their heart, the things that were good to the world, but that had no real fruit of God. Uh, the Bible tells us that you can uh, know, know a tree by the fruit it bears, and it makes you think, you know, they had fruit on their, uh, their limbs, but it wasn't the fruit for their soul, just their eyes and their hearts. Part B of that verse, it says, you are near their mouth and far from their heart. Uh, they often spoke of God. I know we know many people like that that that'll talk about God. You know, they'll, they'll mention His name. They'll say, you know, God was looking after me, or you know, they might even say karma, or you know, they might even say it when they cuss. You know, they use God's name because they know He's there. They just don't really believe in Him. Uh, and that was like many of us, you know, or many people in the thinking, you know. Um, I was thinking we were watching a show. Me and my wife uh, a couple days ago. We were watching this big. Uh, I guess it's history show. She was uh, she's a big geek about that stuff, but she loves uh, King Henry and all the old timey stuff. And it was King Henry and Catherine and all the women that he slept with trying to have a son. And you know, in those times, it was all about a legacy. You know, how could your legacy live on? Well, his first wife they did never have a son. He had several daughters, and that wasn't good enough for him. So he started trying to force things. He started trying to make things happen with other people, and he would say, "God will truly bless me." You know, he's blessed me to be king, and he uses all these terms, you know, talking about God, but he doesn't really know him. And I don't know about you, but when I talk about people that I don't know anything about, it never ends up good. I can run my mouth all I want to, but if I don't truly know the person I'm speaking of, I need to shut my mouth and see the other side of the story. Uh, see, some of the Christians talk a big talk, but they don't truly know him. They just use him and just talk about inspirational quotes. Some people act all big like they aren't in the thicket, but there's a different, their thicket is different from yours. They might not be struggling with finances. They not be, might not be struggling with a job or uh, family, but they may be in the thicket for their soul. And they need, just as, just as much as we do, uh, the relationship with Christ who guards our heart, who guides our paths like we do. Uh, they just hide it better than we do because we know we need help and we know where to find our help. Uh, verse 3, it says, But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. Um, Jeremiah 1 5, if you got that, I don't know if I told you that or not. Jeremiah 1 5, uh, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sacrificed. I sanctify thee. I have anointed thee a prophet among the nations. Uh, that's one of my all-time favorite verses and uh, an all-time great verse if you run into any Christians who are pro-choice. Uh, not really a thing, but... Um, and, you know, I, I saw that and I could only think, you know, he knows you. He knows you, church. He knows every one of you. He knew you before you were even born. He set you apart. He made you to be somebody. He made you. He's called you to be somebody for him. And that's all I kept thinking when I read that, that he knows you and he sees you. Um, and, and not only does he know you, he sees you. He sees you in the thicket. And why is that so big? Because if he sees you, he knows exactly what you need. 
He knows exactly what he can do to get you out of it. He sees the things that stuck to you. He sees the weight you're carrying. Um, and, and he knows. He knows how to help you. He knows exactly what you're going through. Um, and, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that when I'm in the thicket, when I'm, when I'm in these bad situations, that he knows what I need to get out. And he places people in my life, or he places uh, scripture in my life that shows me how to go from here and where I can go. He knows our hearts. He knows everything about us. He knows how you got there and how you ended up in the thicket and uh, where you could end up when you get out. But see, he can know you till the day you die, but what really matters is if you know him. Is if you pursue him like he pursued you before you even knew who he was. Um, most of us, under the sound of my voice, you know, you know him. But the many of us, I wonder, do we pursue him every day? And I know there's days that I don't pursue him, and that is the, the ultimate challenge is to pursue your God every day. For someone to be so kind, so graceful, so merciful, so loving, so all-knowing, what in our small lives can get in the way of pursuing our great God? Nothing. There's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for not pursuing him every day. He's everything you and I ever wanted. He's the perfect answer. He gives ultimate peace. He's the greatest. Um, I remember thinking in, in those days, uh, God, if I can find for me this one person, you know, if I can find this person who's going to appreciate me, who's going to love me, then I'm going to pursue him for all my days. And I got everything I could ever imagine more. And every day I try to remind my wife that I love her and that she's more than enough. And yet there's a God in heaven that sometimes I push aside and don't even look at. There's a God in heaven who gave me my wife, who gave me life, and yet every day I don't pursue him. That should be a challenge to all of us. I don't remind him of the greatness every day like I should. Yet he knows me, he sees me, and he wants me to choose him. Um, the second part of that verse, uh, verse 3, it says, Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for the day of slaughter. All right, so Jeremiah starts to petition to God for these people, and he starts. He wants them to suffer. He wants them for their lives to be in. He wants, uh, you know, all these bad things to happen. Um, and raise your hand if you're glad that man's choices are God's choices. I know I am because I know there's many times. There's been times this week where I decided where people were going to go, and that was not for me to decide. I've decided several times in my life where I was going to go, and that's not me for. To decide. That's for God to decide, and God knows that you could be more than your worst days. Um, he said, Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, set them apart for the day of the slaughter. That's the next thing that could stick to you in the thicket hatred. There's been days here recently in my life where there was hate in my heart and there was evil in my mind. And it's because for days and weeks, when you get in the thicket and you walk along and you don't know where to go, stuff starts to stick to you. When you feel alone, you start to question yourself and who you are. You start to question, you know, why did I put myself here? Why did I make these mistakes? And you see these people who aren't struggling, and we hate them for it. We see people who, you know, they're they're doing their thing, you know, they're getting rich like these other people were. They were bearing that fruit, and we hate them for that, but we want the exact thing they have. Um, and when you don't even like who you are, it's hard to love others. It's hard to really care about who people are. Uh, I think a lot of times Jeremiah, I think, uh, you know, just from reading the text, I think a lot of times he struggled with liking who he was. And can you blame the man? He was called to call people out. He was called to walk alone. He was called to tell people the truth. And most of the time, it brought hatred among him. And I'm sure at times he felt that about himself. Raise your hand if you've never not liked you or you ever not liked yourself. 
Um, but I'm in the thick of that's the first thing that sticks to me. Up until a couple uh, years ago, I didn't really like myself for who I was. And how can you love others if you hate yourself? You just can't. Um, it can make it, it can make you hate the very thing that God created, the very thing God made unique. I hated. Uh, and Jeremiah had nobody. You know, he, he was by himself. Even his family. In verse six, he goes over to talk about how his brothers and his father would would call him out and tell him what he was doing was wrong. But God said, "Don't listen to them. Don't pay attention to them." Um, and you know, at, at times I got a wife and family, I got a dog, I got a cat, and I still struggle at times. Even though sometimes the cat reminds me of why I struggle. But uh, Jeremiah, day in and day out, had people who were at his throat for the things he would tell them, for the things that God told him to tell them. Yet he got up and continued to do God's work. He continued to be who God called him to be. Uh, verse 4 How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our land again. So Jeremiah is questioning how long will the earth suffer because of the inhabitants in it, because of these people who have inhabited the land. Uh, there was a drought in the land because of the, of the sins of the people and what was going on. Um, and, and everybody knows about a drought. It can kill everything in its path. Uh, the ground was suffering. The herbs of the field were suffering. The flowers, the beasts, the birds, like I'm saying, were suffering because they couldn't get water. Everyone was suffering because one group of people refused to realize that God is the way. Instead, they pushed forth the other way. How many of you have ever been there? You've been in that situation where, you know, you, you, you right in the middle of the thicket, the drought comes. Right in the middle of your worst days, that's when the drought comes. You lose your job. Your kids get sick and you got to take off days that you didn't want to take off. But you got to take care of the owner. You know, COVID makes you not get paid or it makes you have to quarantine. That's usually when the drought comes. That's usually when it happens. Or, you know, you haven't opened your Bible in weeks, so it's getting carted off by dust bunnies. Uh, you haven't walked in as well in months. And here's what you aren't realizing it's not just who you're hurting, it's the people around you. It's your family, it's your friends, it's your co workers, your boss, your church family. The things, you know, they hope you make the right choices. Just for them, but for you as well. Your family can follow your lead. I know my family does. I know the influence I made. Uh, just last week, we were sitting in a Mexican restaurant after we left church, and, and I still can picture it clearly. We're sitting there eating, and little Jenny, she comes over there and sits by my wife, and it makes me think of the influence that, that we have on these kids and how important it is that we show them who Christ is and we show them the love of Christ because they're looking at you, and all the decisions you make can hurt them as well. Little Eli came over there too and started sitting with us. And it makes me think, you know, we've really got to be there for them. We've really got to show them who Christ is and his love. Here's the thing about the drought. It can kill all of us. It kills everything. And water is a necessity in life. But God is the spring of living water. you got to choose, people. Are you going to suffer and die in the thicket? Or are you going to drink from the living water of God? Jeremiah 2.13 says, Jeremiah, you know, he's telling people things that God is telling them. And God says, uh, that he is the fountain of living waters. And then in 1217, he goes back again and he says, God, you are the fountain of living water. He is the living water. And that's what we have to drink of whenever the drought is coming through. Whenever the hard times are coming through, we have to put our nose in his word and learn more about him. Um, at the end of verse 4, it, said, yeah, it says, He will not see our latter end. They started mocking Jeremiah. They started mocking God. They started to say, you know, 
He's not going to judge us. And a lot of these people were thinking he wasn't even real. They were turning into atheists. Um, the, uh, when I looked it up, the, the Arabic version of the Bible says right here on this part, it says, God shall not see. And I was thinking to myself, you know, why is that so significant? And just the verse before that, Jeremiah says, but you, O oh Lord, know me. You see me. Uh, the words Jeremiah just got out of his mouth, these people were saying against him. He says, Lord, you know me and you see me. And you see, church, at times when we're in the thicket, we got to remind ourselves of who our God is. When all these people are talking against us, when all these people are telling us what we're doing wrong, when they're telling us that God ain't real, that he don't see you, that he don't see your prayers, you've got to remind yourself of who your God is. Like Greg Starks, you've got to remind your problems of how big your God is. you got to remind him how thankful for you are of him. Uh, in the thicket, when it feels like uh, just the most important thing you can do is to remind yourself that God is with you mm -hmm. and that He is all you need and He will lead you into the thicket. He will lead you into what He has for you. These people were mocking Jeremiah. They were mocking God and most of them will die in the thicket and end up in hell. Mm -hmm. But Jeremiah, who was in the thicket as well, surrounded by drought, surrounded by thorns, surrounded by envy, trying to stick <coughs> to him, depression, hatred, trying to stick to him. Jeremiah is brought out of the thicket and on to the next fight of the Lord because he was talking to God while in the thicket. While these people held God's name so near to their mouth and not their hearts, you know, they didn't come out of it because he, he was not in their hearts. God has more in store for him. God has more in store for you. And there's people in our church, there's people in our lives that, you know, they're in the same thicket and God may be near to their mouth. God may be, you know, all about what they talk about. It might be, you know, I'm praying for you on this or, you know, they post the inspirational quotes on Facebook and this, this, and that. But if they don't truly know him, then they'll be stuck in the thicket and won't know what to do when the drought comes. And we as a church have to offer them the fountain of living water. We have to remind them who our God is, just like Jeremiah reminded himself. It does something amazing. It can kill the thicket because it needs water just like us. And in the tough times, if you water yourself with his word, the fountain of living water, you will remain when the thicket dies. You will know where to go. God will show you how to go. God will show you the path and will show you what it has to be for you. Even when times get tough, even when COVID hits, no matter what happened, um, you know, he will be there for us if we keep watering ourselves with his word. Uh, and I know it's easy to say, you know, I want to live my life. I want to do what I want. You know, times are getting rough. Let me do what I want to do. You know, YOLO, whatever you got to say. Uh, but guess what? It could be our last day. And if you live it how you want to, Ultimately, you'll most likely end up in hell. But if you live it how God will have it for you, you'll spend an eternity with Him in heaven. Uh, the last verse I want to use as, uh, which was my title verse, I want to use as an encouraging verse, just kind of close with. Uh, this is God's response to Jeremiah. This is God's response to uh, His chosen people, uh, God's people, to us. Uh, he says in verse 5 If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And in a safe land you are so trusting. What will you do in the thicket of Jordan? God has called you for this. Um, when I wrote this down, I put, uh, I know it's tough at times, but God didn't give you anything that I could handle or that you could handle. And, and I know we heard that a lot. My wife said, I'm changing that. And I don't like it. She said, hey, you can put, God didn't give you anything he couldn't handle because he's going to be the one who handles it ultimately. He's going to be the one who helps fix our lives because he has prepared us for this. He has prepared us for everything that we're going to go through. 
For every thick of our life, He has formed you and He's making you into a better person, into a better person for your calling. We need Him, church. We must cling to Him. The fountain of living water draw near when we're in the thicket. Church, I can't live without Him. I've been in the thicket several times over these past months, and it feels like it can choke you out at any time. It feels like it's just pulling you down and you can't go anywhere. You don't know what to do. And I challenge us to all to live in His will and to live in the fountain of the living water whenever we don't know what to do. To keep pursuing Him when you track and don't know where to go. Don't give up on the church. Uh, just the other night, I know many of y'all seen my post on Group B, but I sat in on a youth service and, you know, I seen all the kids and I'm reminded of all the times that, you know, they have it hard. You know, they have it rough with, they don't get to see their friends all the times, um, but they're still going to church, you know. I, I talked to my brother the other day and he was talking about how much he missed just going to see his friends at school. You know, he missed those times and, you know, the social and getting to hang out. They're in the thick of church. And there's several of our, our, our kids on Wednesday nights who still come by themselves. They push forward, and that should give us all hope to keep pushing on for their sake and for ours. If they can do it, so can we. In the thicket of the Jordan, press into him. Don't let things stick to you. Come out living his will. Know that he has greater ahead for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. And just thank you for being with us in the thicket. Thank you for just remaining our God, no matter who is in charge, Lord. Thank you for being in control and having a plan, Lord. We praise you for that plan, Lord. We praise you for all that you've done for us in our lives, Lord. We just pray that as we go out this week, that you will take care of us. And, that, and no matter if we, we get ourselves in track in these things, Lord, that we, we will turn to you in the fountain of living water, Lord. That we will just study your Bible and we'll grow closer to you, Lord. And we'll, we'll start to make choices that lead us unto you, Lord, and not lead us unto what we I pray that you be with all of us as we go throughout the week. Keep us all safe. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.